today on Strange Shenanigans, we are just incredibly excited to welcome a very special guest. Today we are lucky enough to welcome martial arts champion, an award-winning fantasy writer, and cosplay designer, there's nothing she cannot do, Danielle Orsino. Welcome to the show. Thanks guys, I'm happy to be here. I guess uh, we'll jump right into it. So uh, can you give us a little bit of background about yourself? You seem like you've done just about everything. I do everything but windows. I've tried a lot of things. I, I'm a jack of all trades, master of none. Uh, I'm still learning. But yes, I've done martial arts. That was my first love. I jumped into that, kind of found it accidentally. It was uh, a bet that my dad made with me. I wanted to go to New Orleans with a friend of mine, and he was like, yeah, sure, you could go. I'm going to let you know my 18-year-old daughter loose in New Orleans. That sounds like a great idea. With her girlfriend. Awesome. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's what every dad says. He's like, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm going to let you and Jen, because she was my friend since sixth grade, he's like, loose in New Orleans to go hunt vampires because we were obsessed with the Anne Rice novels. <laughs> so he thought, yeah, that's great. I'm going to let you guys go. And he's, his bet was, you earn your yellow belt in Taekwondo, and I'll let you go. And his thought was, there is no way in hell she's going to do this. <laughs> he knew the instructor, because uh, my dad had worked out at the gym, and Mr. McLaughlin, my instructor, had been there for eons teaching. He had actually tried teaching my little brother, and that did not succeed. So he was like, yeah, yeah, sure, go. So that was the bet, and that's how I got started. It was something I just kind of fell into. And then from there, everything else, it was the same story. I just fell into things, fell into nursing, and then fell into writing. So, you know, it was one of those accidental uh, things. The accidental tourist would probably be the name of my uh, my uh, biography if it wasn't <laughs> taken. So your martial arts has led you to, like, everything. You've been in championships. Mm-hmm. Yep. You performed for our former president, Bill Clinton. Once again, a total accident. <laughs> not, you know, I'd love to tell you I went to the White House and all, but no, he happened to be jogging in Chappaqua. And <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. Um, he was jogging. He had just moved to Chappaqua. He was probably only there maybe six months. It, it wasn't a long time. And he, he really does jog. He, that was really his thing. Like, people kind of joke, you know, does the president jog? You know, what did he do? No, he really did go out in full running shorts. <laughs> and go jogging around Chappaqua and he happened to be jogging on a day that one of my old where I used to work an old personal training facility happened to have like family fun day you know open house Mm -hmm. come meet our trainers all that he happened to be jogging by and I was performing with a martial art troupe outside in the parking lot we had the music going didn't notice I was getting ready to perform because we were doing kind of this skit where we would all kind of tumble in and I was waiting to go and all of a sudden, somebody tapped me on the shoulder. And I was ready to curse this person out because <laughs> I'm performing. And I turn around, I'm like, what the heck? And, I, and there's Clinton. <laughs> That's cool. And you know, I'm in like my, you know, my silk uniform. And I just turn around, I'm like, what the heck? And then he just, he's like, hi, what are you doing? <laughs> and I'm kind of staring like, uh... And meanwhile, I see my troop like waiting because my cue has gone by and I have not come out. And, and they can't see who I'm talking to. And I'm like, I'm, uh, he's like, so, so what's going on? And he's just talking like, 
you know, like this happens every day. <laughs> and I'm looking at him, I'm like, cool, cool. And I'm trying to explain what's happening. He's like, oh, you know, can I watch? Like, dude, you can do whatever you want. I'm like, yeah, he's like, this is a good place to stand. <laughs> he's asking me these questions, and I'm just like, ah. yeah. And then from across the way, I see my boss, like, telling me, like, minding me to hand him cards. <laughs> cards. I don't know what to do right now. And he's like, oh, I like your outfit. And I'm like, that's, that's great. I've missed three cues by now. <laughs> he's gone. I don't know what to do. And then I'm talking to him, and I finally go, this counts as performing for the president, right? And he goes, oh, yeah. It does, like, yeah. Cool. This is going on the resume. And he watched us and had a nice time, and it was cool. But I'm like, this counts. He's like, oh, this counts. I'm like, great. Going, it's going on the resume. I performed for the president. He's like, yes, you did. It's cool. <laughs> so, yeah, another another accident but yeah he was super cool he was nice he wanted to come work out with us somebody did not pass the background check i still don't know who to this day i have my suspicions but, uh, <laughs> yeah i know i passed but other people did not oh but, man yeah, it was yeah it was awesome he was like super nice he was a lot taller than i thought um but i'm not that tall so everybody looks big but yeah he was like just jogging around chapaqua on his little shorts <laughs> you know, getting his little workout in but yeah martial arts has done everything for me so how, how do you go how do you go through that transition between you know fighter fantasy writer cosplay nurse you, you just like go into the telephone booth and change like superman each day yeah it's a twirl it's yeah <laughs> nice. you just kind of spin and it all happens uh it, it's actually it was hard it wasn't something i did not want to retire it was kind of one of those where I still train. Yeah. But when you're go when you're making that jump from training, you know, I was going up the U.S. team, and I was on the W.K. U.S. team, and we were going to the World Championships. This is all I did. I mean, it was six, seven hours a day of whether I was lifting, practicing, whatever. That was my life. I didn't do anything else. To stop and say, all right, I'm done. I've got my medal. I've gone as far as I can go. If I go any further, my body's just going to break down. Like, you have to know when it's time to leave the party. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, it's it's just time when you have to look around and go, okay, I can't do three aerials in a row into a butterfly twist and land in a split and be like, ta-da, and then get up from it. Yeah. It's, it's just not happening anymore. You have to know, I can't do what they're doing. Like, I was looking at everything going, they're upping the ante, and I can't keep up anymore. It was like, all right, it's time to go. Yeah. And so nursing to me was the next step because I had every injury. Yeah. I rehabbed it in every way from Eastern to Western med. I'd done it all. And it was like, okay, I can kind of help athletes because I've been there. I've been competing. Uh, I've been on that side of I got to get back out. I got to get back out. Yeah. So I, I knew the mentality. So it just seemed natural. And, you know, you beat them up then you patch them up. You know, kind of yeah. seems like a good progression. <laughs> right. uh, you know, I thought I could help people in that sense and help other athletes who were making the transition, but it wasn't smooth. I wasn't just like, okay, my time's up. Cool. Hang up the gloves, hang up the belt. It's all good. No, I, I was fighting it. <laughs> Definitely wasn't going like, I kept thinking, oh, one more. I could get one more. I could do one more thing. And I, I still did it. I had to do like one semi-full contact match, even when I had left the team, 
I was like, I'm going to do one more. I'm going to fight you and her tiger shaman because they're just such badasses. Like, I want to do one more. And then I couldn't breathe. Like, my lips were blue because I was so anemic from all the training I had done. Yeah. And I just riddled my body down from WKA. I went right into tiger shaman. And my, you know, my coach was like, he could see that my lips were blue in the middle of the fight. And he was like, stop the fight. She, she can't breathe. Like, and he was like, you need to know when it's time to just go. Yeah. But I was still pushing it. And, you know, my husband really get, it, we're done. He's like, it's, it's time. He's like, you can still train, but it's time. I threw myself into nursing. And once again, I turned that into a competition. Like I have to graduate first. You know, I had to graduate the highest average. It was still, you know, it was still competing in my own way. I still had to, like, turn it into something. So, you know, it might have been time for some therapy. You know, it might yeah. have been time. Yeah. You needed a little bit of help there. Um, but the wake-up call came. We were about two months away from graduating, and we unfortunately lost one of our students in my class who died studying. Oof. And that was my moment of, holy cow, she died of a stroke in the middle of studying. Is all of this worth it? (laughs) Like, let's back up a sec. And um, that was my little, like, time to slow down. And I did. And then, uh, you know, obviously still another path, you know, lay ahead of me in nursing. So, you know, it was the competition, the competitive streak kind of had to, I had to quell it a little bit yeah, and, you know, move away, but I still hit the bag. I was still training, just not at that level. You know, I had to turn the volume down. Took a little work. Holy, what a wake up call. Yeah. Yeah. So has, did becoming a nurse inspire you to then become a writer? No, I had no intention of becoming a writer. That was, that was not... <laughs> No, it wasn't even in my head. I was going to go to PA school, you know, physician assistant school and nurse practitioning school. That was that was where the goal was. I was plotting it out even in nursing school. I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I approached nursing school the same way I approached martial arts. I learned it at belt levels. I like first I got my phlebotomy certification, my you know medical assistant certification, and then I was like, okay, those are my like you know beginner level. Now I'm going to go intermediate. I'm going to go nursing then I was like okay now we're going to go advanced so nurse practitioning physician assistant I was kind of plotting it out that way and I got you know all the all the prereqs got my bachelor's in kinesiology and like cool this is where I'm headed full steam ahead and then the universe went oh is that what you think is happening aren't you cute you have a plan watch this and it took a boulder and threw it right at my head and went, that's not what's happening at all, kiddo. We're going to do something different. And I was literally like in, they call it CASPA. That's like the cycle that you enter for physician assistant. You know, you do all your prereqs, like you enter into this cycle where you apply to all these schools and they call you for free interviews. Personally, I just think it's a money-making game, whatever, <laughs> yeah. nobody's asking me. Um, they just put you through hell and make you bite your nails. So I was doing that, and I got a job at a uh, general practitioner's office, but it was also for, they, she specialized in Lyme disease, and she had an IV clinic in her facility. And these patients dripped every day, seven days a week, mm-hmm. Christmas, 
New Year's, Thanksgiving, she was open. And so I got hired specifically for the IV room and to work holidays. And then she moved me on top of that to helping her with uh, her GP. And I was like, all right, cool. I'll do this for a while. It'll help me, you know, it'll look really good on the resume, whatever. And then a patient walked in who just decided to change my whole world. And as grateful as I am to, to him, there are days I want to smack him and say thank you. Um, <laughs> we became very close. He was my first stick. Uh, you know, we started the same day. He started dripping the same day I started there. And unfortunately, he's a Baltimore Ravens fan, and I'm a New York Giants fan. So <laughs> right there, we have issues. Um, but we just became friendly. And uh, after about a year and a half, he decided he didn't want to drip anymore. And the thing with this doctor's protocol was very strict. You couldn't stop or else you would backslide with Lyme. But he had uprooted his life from Pennsylvania to Westchester County, and it was a five-hour drive. So the deal he struck with the doctor was, um, I'm going to come back. I'm going to drive one day, come up on a Wednesday, drip for two hours, turn around and go home, and then return on a Friday, and your Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and go home. And uh, they agreed. They agreed to it in about, I don't know, maybe three weeks in. He was like, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore, Danny. I'm done. And so he's like, uh, keep me in the seat. Keep me entertained. Tell me a story. And after, like I said, about a year and a half, we knew each other pretty well. So I said, all right, tell me something about yourself. And out of his mouth came, well, I was recruited by the CIA straight out of college. And I'm like, well, how the hell did that not come up? <laughs> right? Like, wow. And I'm like, cool. And I was like, well, did you take the job? He's like, obviously not. I'm sitting here. <laughs> so I know about, you know, the recruiting process. And, and I'm like, you could have been like secret agent, man. And he's like, no, it was for the Transit Intentions Division. Like, the most boring part. Yeah. So I mean, we made some Roswell jokes. Yeah, you know, we just went down the rabbit hole of just, you know, every conspiracy theory we hit. Oh, those are our favorite here. <laughs> those are a jam. Yeah, we went, I mean, I went Area 51, you name it, I went down it. Because I'm a big conspiracy, you know, I, I'm I'm in Nessie, I'm in Deep, we were there. And he went, no, it was this, and back and forth. So I was like, no, I still could have found out what was in New Mexico, and you know, whatever. So we went down there, and I said, well, you know where Lyme disease comes from. And once again, he was into the Lyme disease conspiracy theory. So he educated me on that. <laughs> and we went down Plum Island, the whole thing, how the tick got across the river, and we were there. So I, he's, I all of a sudden said, no, that's not where it came from. Don't know why the hell I said this. I said, the Fay did it. And he looked at me, he goes, the what? And I'm like, yeah, you know, the Fay. And he's like, what are Fay? I'm like, fairies, you know, I said, this is all environmental. They're getting back at us while we treat the planet. I go down another rabbit hole about this. And I said, but I know why you're here. You're the CIA agent who's here to find out about the Fay human hybrid. She's really the brains in this whole doctor operation here at the clinic. And he just understood what I was saying. I started telling him a story about a CIA agent who was really posing as a patient to find out if the nurse was a fake human hybrid. And I tell him a whole story <laughs> and I just start making it up and he sat there listening. So every day he came in when he would drip, I tell him another story of, about these fake creatures and he would listen. And that's how the whole, that's how I started down this whole writing thing. I didn't think I was going to start writing. He kept saying, go home and write this down. 
please go home and write this down. And I'm like, no, dude, I'm going to PA school. I'm going to pump some faces full of wrestling and make a lot of money in Westchester <laughs> as a Botox nurse. I'm like, that's what I'm going to do. And he was like, I'm telling you, this is something. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. This is what I'm doing. And so he kept encouraging me to go home, write it down, write it down. Finally, I listened to him. I went home, wrote it down. And I just started writing the series. But because I didn't know what I was doing, I started writing them all at once. <laughs> no idea. And I'm like, sure. And I would write it down and I'd go, oh, people are going to want to know how to say God here. Okay. And I pick up another book and start writing. And because I hand wrote it, once again, didn't know what I'm doing. Just started writing. And before too long, I had almost the whole series just written. And he would read it and come back. And we went back and forth, and then it was all there. And that's really how the whole thing started, and that's how the writing journey started, was all from this patient pushing me to do it. And that's where I ended up. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I, I think I think a lot of great stories come from uh, just you know, the, the random talking to people and, you know, being forced into making, making up a situation in the first place. Like, I mean, there's multiple times where my kids have been like, Hey dad, I want a story. I'm like, man, I should write this down. This is worth a lot. Mm -hmm. Just never, never actually. (laughs) Right. She finished it. Right. (laughs) So, uh, there, there are any, uh, uh, mythical creatures or cryptozoology beings that you think is actually real? Oh, I, I, I'm a Nessie fanatic. Yes! <laughs> my love ever since the first In Search Ofs with Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. I would watch those as a kid. Like, when those would come on TV, the whole world would stop for me. And that's where I first learned about Nessie. Uh, you know, I learned about Bigfoot and all that but Nessie just captured my heart and I actually wound up putting Nessie in the book and doing a little take on alternative history with St. Columba and the the interaction between uh, St. Columba and Nessie all of that I put I wound up putting him in the book in the series I had to it's awesome that's awesome we're big Bigfoot people here in Maine so our Native American culture has been talking about Bigfoot and telling stories about Bigfoot for hundreds of years and, uh, I, I actually have some Bigfoot. I, I made Bigfoot uh, a fae in the book that the whole Bigfoot clan, they're actually fae. And I joke that um, the Robert uh, Patterson tape was uh, the fae did it to make money. <laughs> so they, they staged the whole thing, and that Bigfoot every now and then has to be seen on video and then they go and they have a broker that sells the grainy videos <laughs> to the tabloids that's an excellent and that's theory. how they pay to travel the veil so it's, it's all a deal they know what they're doing they're like yeah and they kind of joke they're like should we be seen this time yeah let's just do it from a distance and rub some vaseline over <laughs> that's how we'll do it this time and they make jokes about it because they know and that's, yeah, I put Bigfoot in there and kind of made fun of the whole situation and who they had to bribe to get somebody to come forward and be like, I was wearing a suit. And it's all a kind of a joke to make the humans guess about them. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I joked about that. I joked about the Nessie, um, 
the famous surgeon's photo that in fact it was real and it was um the grandmaster water kelpie deciding to take a selfie and so <laughs> they then had to go through this whole we've got to make it a hoax so a bunch of fake go off and pay people and to say it, it didn't really happen when in fact it did happen but they were like do you know what we had to do to make it convince everybody that wasn't real just because he had to stick his neck out one more time that day yeah <laughs> and it, it becomes a whole joke that you know he just wants to mess around and make uh the undines who guard the river ness who are supposed to protect him he just likes to make them work so every now and then he just pops his head out <laughs> and he's like hey look i'm here and then he dives back down he's like did you catch me <laughs> and, all, and then the fae have to turn around and you know convince everybody it wasn't there that's so yeah, awesome. I like I like throwing in the cryptos. Do you have a um, crypto creature you haven't included yet, but have plans to? Um, I I, I like the chupacabra and people. That is a good one. Like, yeah. That's the one. I, I like the chupacabra. I will probably because I'm um, half Puerto Rican. I have to throw the chupacabra in somewhere. I'm just not sure where I'm going to do it and how I'm going to make him as plausible as possible. Yeah. <laughs> Because I, I do like to put some kind of plausible notion, you know, same thing with my dragons. When I made my dragons, I worked with a um, mechanical engineer, a physics professor, and my vet to make the dragons plausible. Nice. You know, I, like, I joke that if I was ever on Mythbusters, I just want them to be like, yeah, this, this is possible. I didn't yeah. think it was just plausible. Like, just, I don't want anybody being like, that'll never happen. I just have to be plausible. So... I just have to make him make sense yeah. in some way, and then I can kind of work it out. You know, there's very few cryptos that I'm like, there's no way. The only kind of crypto that I'm really like Mothman. I got a. I think Mothman is more of an alien than Mothman. Right? Yeah, he really. Right? Is. I'd, I'd agree with you there. I I just don't see a man with moth wings hanging out in West Virginia, and none of us have seen him. I see him more as an alien right like that's where i'm thinking that's probably more of an alien thing than a moth you know I'm yeah. like, to me that's an alien misidentification than a crypto does that make sense oh, oh yeah, yeah absolutely like, yeah that's where i'm kind of like i'm seeing that more that way uh sometimes i think some of the cryptos are more alien misidentifications rather than a crypto, but somebody could turn around and go, I got a great picture of Mothman, you're BSing me. And then I'll be like, cool, you know, all right, I was wrong. <laughs> uh, other than that, there's, I'm open to whatever. I, I can't, looking at this world and everything that goes on in it, right. I'm open to a lot of different things. I don't think that there's anything that's 100% totally explainable. Like, from the unexplained i don't look at something and go oh yeah i don't believe in that at all you know i i think like we have to be open-minded yeah or else there's no magic in the world very true <laughs> so is it the phase are they responsible for making sure every picture we have of bigfoot or aliens are grainy yeah they have a deal <laughs> yep. yeah that's that's their whole thing is that um in my world, the Fae actually stands for the Fellowship Ages of Earth, the Defenders of Earth. So the Fae are just a bunch of different creatures. They could be Dryad, Bigfoot are actually versions of the Fae. Um, the Will-O-Wisp, Mermaids, they're all different 
creatures because they were once angels who were sent here to guard the earth and then they couldn't go back um, to the Shining Kingdom. So they've decided to uh, bond with whatever creatures they were sent here to protect. So they could be giant deer. They could actually have kept their angelic uh, figures and, and, you know, they still look somewhat human, but, you know, it's uh, the proportions are different. So they're all different. But, yeah, they have a deal. And one of them has the person who brokers it is actually a fox who's a familiar. Uh, and he was, you know, he was an oracle back in uh, Greek times. And so his name is Rowan Charming. He's actually the basis for all the Prince Charming. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, because he's a con artist. And what he would do is he, he can become human uh, during the solstice after the full moon and so he looks like a charming man and so what he does is he goes off marries royalty takes the money and then disappears <laughs> doesn't pay well yeah so he you know you always hear happily ever after then you hear nothing after that yeah well there's a reason why you don't hear anything after that. <laughs> that's awesome so he uh he's the one who when he can take its human form goes to all the tabloids and now tmz and he's like well i got a sasquatch video for you so all it's going to cost you is ten thousand dollars. That's the best watch video, and he brokers the deals with the humans. But it's this phase job and Bigfoot's job. That whole clan, whether it's Sasquatch, Yeti, whatever you want to call them, they're like, okay, so we're going to set this up. They film it themselves and they hand it off to Rowan and go, okay, so what do we got? And he's like, well, if we're going to put it in a magazine, it's only going to be five grand plus my cut. My cut's twenty percent. And if we're going to go to TMZ, TMZ pays really well. So that's 10 grand. And that's how they divvy it up. And it's, <laughs> yeah, it's up to them. So they plan it out. And if they're like Bigfoot hunters are around, you know, Rowan's the one like doing the wood knocks and getting, the, <laughs> you know, getting a little audio. This could be a thousand dollars. And he plans it all out. So he'll actually take the Bigfoot hunters out. He'll be like, this is a great spot. <laughs> definitely around here and then he goes back to me he's like you guys know what to do he's like some hoots some hollers you know knock on the tree a couple times 500 bucks <laughs> so yeah the fae plan out all the crypto stuff Rowan goes and brokers for everybody and then they all get paid <laughs> so you know that's that's what you get so he's kind of he's a con artist but a fae's gotta make money because to travel the veil with the queen that they now have in place, it costs a little bit of cash. So uh, they're all making their money. It's well, awesome. working so you know. far. <laughs> right. You know, it's, it's capitalism at work. Right. right? <laughs> uh, we we've seen we've seen your fake cosplay, and we we've googled a couple other ones. What what's your favorite one? Um, I'm known for my Harley. That's what um, has become my most popular. It is my Harley Quinn. Which I, I love doing Harley. I can't, you know, Harley's another one that somebody had, I had been doing Wonder Woman for a long time, and then someone asked me to do a Harley. I think it was at work. Somebody asked me to come in as Harley. I did that, and then it kind of grew from there. But um, the one that I've made that I'm most proud of is probably my Poison Ivy, because oh, yeah. that's a lot of leaves. Oh, I bet. How, a lot of leaves on how, how long does it take to make something like that? Um, Poison Ivy took me, that was probably about three weeks wow. of nothing but just, just the leaves took me three <laughs> yeah. weeks. It was 5,000 leaves. Um, that, that was a lot of leaves, but someone at Marvel, when I was at New York Comic Con, they were doing, they were showing the Avenger costumes, 
and one of the costume designers from Marvel was there, and she actually stopped me to com- to comment on my poison ivy, oh, and wow. pulled me aside and actually like looked at the costume, pulled it apart. At the time, I had um, one of my man eating, uh, you know, Venus flytraps that I had made over my shoulder, and she stopped me to like examine the costume, and she was like, it's, "It's beautiful work," and I was like, "Okay." I can die a happy girl now. Right. <laughs> and that was, that was what I'm pulling it back out for Raleigh um, Galaxy Con. I don't know if I'll have my man-eating uh, Venus flytrap, but I'll have the corset and all the, all the leaves for that. But that one I was pretty proud of because of uh, the time it took and it's completely done. There's nothing that I bought. Like that's all me on that one. So whereas other pieces, like I bought something or, I, you know, I've redone it. Yeah. Uh, and I usually like doing the props. That one's all me. So I was pretty proud of that one. Sweet. Gorgeous. Um, do you think it's been hard for women in fantasy at all? Did you have any trouble breaking in? I had a lot of, uh, when I was first querying the book, I had a lot of people ask me to uh, change my name. Can we just do initials? So people don't know you're a woman. Oh, and that was... So irritating. That kind of surprised me because I didn't I didn't realize it was an issue for women in fantasy. I kind of went in more from a comic book perspective. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know it was a, it was an issue, so I was very confused by constantly being asked to change my name. And I'm like, you know, because they were all citing like J.K. Rowling and this and this and that, and I'm like, why why am I changing my name? And they would just keep citing, it'll sell better if it's neutral, if it's gender neutral. Uh, and I just refused to change my name. I was like, no, I'm, you know, I'm a woman, I'm a martial artist, I write nice fight scenes, I'm not going to hide behind anything. Yeah. You've proven so, yourself a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I felt like I kind of had the street cred, so I didn't want to. Um I don't know why it, there's still a stigma with women, but what I have found is that everybody wants romance if you're a woman in fantasy. They expect it to be a romanticy. Mm. And when you don't have any, they like to tell you you should have some. <laughs> and I still don't understand that, and I kind of joke that my fae don't have time to swipe right or left. They're a little busy. Yeah. That's well, the... not what they're there for, and that's not what I write. Uh, there is a touch of romance eventually. There's, um, I, you know, the marriage of convenience trope that turns into something more. There's political convenience later down the line in the book, but it's not what drives the plot forward. And I didn't want it to be. Yeah. But as a woman, it's expected. And you're expected to have smut. I didn't know <laughs> what the word smut meant. <laughs> um, it was funny. Uh, my friend C.R. Rice, who's a phenomenal dystopian YA author, had to tell me, because I was talking to somebody at a thing, and she was like, I like shifter smut. I'm like, oh, I have a shifter. And C.R. looked at me, she went, you don't have a shifter, Danielle. She's like, you don't have that type of shifter. Stop, stop. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? And I'm looking at her, and she's like, you don't. She's like, stop talking. And I'm like, what? And she's like, smut means erotica. I'm like, oh, <laughs> is that what it means? And she just kind of put her head down. She's like, no, no, no. And I'm like, no, I don't have that. I do not have that. And, you know, I 
I was very confused in the fantasy world. I just kind of looked at it like Lord of the Rings. You know, I was very much like high fantasy. I've got dragons. I've got fighting. I've got magic. Who has time to have sex? Right. Right. That's how I was looking at it. I'm like, who's got time for this? So there's just still a stigma that if you're a woman in fantasy, there will be smut involved. There will be romance. So when they got to me, they were like, what do we do with you? (laughs) And I'm like, I don't know. What are you doing? Like, I just sat there smiling like, oh. So uh, the the joke has been that I am Sarah J. Moss without the smut. I'm Faye without the smut. I'm like, cool. I'm I'm okay with that. Um, They kept me out of YA for, I think, the first two years that the book came out because they were more concerned with the themes being heavy in the sense of some of the religious undertones not that i'm pushing religion by any means but making people question things Mm. and they were like i don't know if the ya audience can handle it and then finally this year my publisher was like you know what screw it we're sticking in ya like uh, and i was like well if they can handle the smut people would rather have the smut in ya that's in there right versus my violence i'm like have you seen the video games (laughs) right right they can handle it yeah I'm like, they can handle it. And within a week, I was like in the double digits of Kindle. That's awesome. And I'm like, I, I think they can handle me. I was like, I'm, I think we're okay. So it's, it's been a very weird transition just for women in fantasy in, in general. It's just that assumption that we all write like romance. And yeah. that's not the case. Some of us just write good political intrigue. But, you know, you're expected to be just adult or just YA. There are some of us who are in the middle that adults can, just because it's YA, can still enjoy. But it's not all like, oh, the dark fake king came and took me. It's like, my dark fake king's a virgin. And people were just like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And like, what? Like, does he have to be pillaging and raping every village he comes upon? Or could he just have been, like, too busy doing other things? Right. Do, do we have to have that same stereotype? So I just kind of think it's interesting for women in fantasy. We're allowed to kind of break the mold a little. Well, I like that you want to try and cover that gap too, where in like in media and entertainment in general, in all types of media, it's like it's so hard to find something that as an adult you can also share with you know your your tween teenage children that's not mm-hmm. completely inappropriate, you know. Yeah, I just kept thinking, my dad's going to read this. Mm-hmm. That's how I kept thinking about it. It was like, oh my God, my dad's going to pick this book up. Like, I don't want him blushing. Right. You know, I, I that was honestly... Now, don't get me wrong, in volume two, I pick up the pace because I'm urban fantasy and I'm it's modern day. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's some blushing moments, but it's still not... I, I didn't want somebody to be looking at me going, you wrote that? I'm just wondering what I'm doing behind closed doors. You right. You do that. You know, you pick up a Laurel K. Hamilton book, you can't help but look at her and go, what's going on on a Saturday night there, honey bunch? You know, <laughs> you know it, just, it just happens. I didn't want anybody looking at me going, so is there a chandelier you're, you know, <laughs> like, what you got? So I, that's, I wanted somebody to be able to read it. And if you want to read it with your kid, not have to skip four pages. Yeah. And be like, so then Jarbox had some ice cream. <laughs> and, they <laughs> and they all sang Kumbaya and they end. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't want that. So 
So I thought, you know, you can kind of have a good time and then and keep going with it and read it and be like, cool. And if you want to have a discussion further about something, great. If you were just like, okay, we're going to leave it there, you could. Awesome. So who, who who's your favorite writer? Chris Claremont is the end-all, be-all for me when it comes to <laughs> writing uh, because he made me care about the villain, which up to, you know, a certain point, I, I never really cared about the villain. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like you felt bad for Catwoman. You were just like, did Batman get her or not? You know? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever happened. You know, I didn't look at Cheetah and think, oh, Wonder Woman, don't hurt her. That was That was never something I worried about. I read the Dark Phoenix saga, and I felt for the Dark Phoenix entity, which that was my moment of you could write something complex. Yeah. And he was the he was that turning point where I'm like, oh, it's more nuanced because up to that when I'd read and I had read you know a lot of graphic novels, you know the Killing Joe other things, but I never really cared about them. The Dark Phoenix kind of changed that for me because, and it's not just that it was stuck in Jean Grey. It was just more of when the entity explained what it was searching for and the emotions and all that. It, it just hit me, and I was like, "Wow, okay, this is just so different. It's just not good versus evil or the metaphors for whatever was going on." You know, with, with X Men, you could always kind of take it to what was happening in modern times. Mm-hmm. It was just this attitude of. I I can't say this creature is wrong. I could understand its motivation. And then I started looking at Magneto differently. And everything just kind of spun. And I started looking at just the X-Men comics completely from a different point of view. And it was all because of that comic and the way he wrote it. And so I started looking at his writing completely differently. Yeah. And the nuances, everything. And I was like okay, there's something more to him. There, there's something more to the way he writes, his layers. And that probably has influenced me in more ways than I can count. Do you uh, see yourself as a potential role model for young women? No. <laughs> no. Um, I wouldn't think so. Uh, it would I wouldn't even know what to say if somebody was like, oh, I look up, I'd probably look at them and be like, look higher, honey. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I would be very flattered and honored, but no, there's, there's people better and who do more good than, I'm just writing words. I'm taking the alphabet, <laughs> I'm taking 26 characters and rearranging them. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> I'm not curing cancer. I'm not doing anything like that that's really changing the world. I'm just making up some names and putting them in a make-believe world and allowing you to get lost for a little while. And while that's great and it's bringing you joy, there's other people to look toward. But cool. Thank you very much. And believe me, I will wear this on my head for quite a while. And your name will come up in a couple stories. Yeah. Ahead of the line. Trust me, it will. Um, but please find somebody else. 
Well, I have to say, I have, I have three daughters, so I'd much rather it be you than most of the pop icons out there. <laughs> <laughs> and I, yeah, I can understand that. I'm very flattered, but yeah, my own imposter syndrome and everything else that I have going on would probably be like, no, 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 find somebody else. Um, please. But yeah, I would, you know, I think everything else that we have in the world... I could understand, but yeah, I would probably be like, no, 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 there's, trust me, there's, there's better, better, better people out there. Um, I would probably just give them a Wonder Woman comic and the, um, I'd put them on YouTube and say, here is Linda Carter as Wonder Woman. Go watch all these seasons. Oh yeah. Every single one. Yeah. And I would say, this is, this is what you should be aspiring to, uh, because that is a true role model. And um, that's probably influenced me more than anything else. And Linda Carter herself is still out there doing good. That would be something that I would say, go, go watch. And if I had a daughter, she would probably come out of the womb with uh, tinfoil bracelets on. And (laughs) if she could identify anything, I'd put her in front of the TV and say, this is Wonder Woman. And make her watch season after season. (laughs) I think I think Ashley's just got one last like surprise question for you about a oh, somebody that she's pretty interested in. <laughs> so I googled you as you're supposed to do before you interview someone, right? And it says you performed alongside The Rock. Yes, I did. I need to I, know uh... everything about that. <laughs> uh, I I annoyed the crap out of the man. <laughs> very very nice. Because uh, I made him do the eyebrow thing constantly. <laughs> I was, uh, when it was still the WWF, it was actually, I think, the last two years before they switched their name. They decided, for some reason, to do a Super Bowl commercial. Uh, they had never done one. So they just, Vince McMahon decided he was going to throw a lot of money at it. I think at the time, it was the most expensive Super Bowl ad. And it was The Rock, The Undertaker, Stone Cold Steve Austin, China. Oh um, my gosh! Triple H. Uh oh, uh, mankind. Because I actually just saw, saw Nick, uh, Nick recently, and there were two other people in it. I can't think of who else it was. And so my first kung fu instructor, Vincent Lin, who's an absolute uh, martial art legend, he was in Armor of God, uh, Operation Condor with Jackie Chan, doing Cynthia Roth Rock. He's amazing. He worked, his first school was right down the street on Hope Street in Stanford from the WWF headquarters. And so they were, he was close with them. He, they would call him in anytime they needed a stunt choreography. And I was his protege. So he called me up, uh, I think it was New Year's Eve. And he was like, look, I need you to come down to the school. He's like, we're going to, uh, you know, we're going to go to the uh, WWF headquarters. We're going to go work on something. I was I didn't know what we were working on. He just called me and said, you know, be here at the school. I'm going to drive you over because they're not going to let you in unless you're with me. Because uh, it's security. I, I didn't know what it was about. So I went over and walked in. And he's like, I need you to run down this hallway. And then uh, China's going to pick you up by your ankle and shake you around a little bit. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm going to do what? What? And he's like, yeah, you're the only one small enough. The rest of the guys, he's like, I only got guys in the stunt troupe. And Bobby Samuels was another phenomenal um, stunt guy was there. And I was like, okay. 
And so the first thing we were filming was The Rock. The whole premise was that the wrestlers were the only calm ones in the building. It was everybody else who worked there were the crazy ones. <laughs> That's awesome. And I was like, okay, so the first thing we did, the first take was The Rock would walk down a hallway. And they were having like a huge fight in a conference room. And then somebody was supposed to go through the glass, hit the wall, and The Rock was just supposed to stay really calm. So I was standing there, and The Rock was walking toward me. And so they kept trying to do this take, and the guy, the shatter glass wasn't working. Like, the glass would break, then it would break. It was just a whole mess. So The Rock was waiting to go, and it was just a lot of hurry up and wait. So he was like, he just looked at me, he's like, let's go play a video game. (laughs) That's awesome. Because I didn't know who he was. (laughs) I didn't watch wrestling. He's just a dude standing here with an Elvis cut in Speedos. <laughs> play a game. I'm like, okay. And I came up to his hips, so I was like, cool. And they had every every arcade game. So we were just playing it. And he would like, every now and then I'd elbow him out of the way. He'd elbow me. And then I'd look at him, I'm like, do the eyebrow thing? And he'd just look at me and do it. I'm like, do it again? <laughs> and I just did it the whole time. And so he, he did his takes. And then uh, the stunt guy just didn't want to hit the glass anymore because it wasn't breaking. So they threw Bobby. Bobby wound up breaking his back on the wall because the wrestler who threw, uh, the guy who threw him, threw him too hard. So then they were like, we need somebody lighter. And at that point, The Rock put his hand on my stomach. He went, you don't mind, hon, do you? (laughs) uh, No. And he went, we're not throwing the little one. He goes, we're not throwing the girl. And the the director, because the director was looking at me, he's like, she's small. And he went, no. <laughs> and he just backed me up. He went, we're not throwing her. And I was even like, they ain't throwing me. Like, I was like, <laughs> Danielle is not going through that glass. Because Bobby, the grown man, just hit that and fell. And he's like, we're not throwing her. And he's like, no, absolutely. He's like, we got the take. I'm sorry the guy was hurt. We're not doing this. And he just put his hand against me. And he's like, no. And they were like, well. And he's like, uh-uh. We got the take. We're done. And he looked at me and he goes, do not let them talk you into anything you're not you're not comfortable with. And I was like, yes, sir. Because I'm just looking at it and I'm like, I still don't know who this guy. Can somebody tell me who he is? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I had no idea he was going to be the biggest superstar on the planet one day. I'm just looking at him like, you should cut your hair. <laughs> like, why are you wearing a Speedo? And I'm just staring at him. I'm like, okay. And then he just looked at me and he was like, don't, don't, like, don't let them do anything. I'm like, okay, and I'm just nodding my head yes at him because once again, I don't know. And they're like, and he's like, don't throw her. And then he was just like, all right, I'm done. He started, and I was like, can you do the eyebrow thing again? And he turned around and did it. He's like, my last time. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And I'm like, cool, bye. And they're all like, do you know who that was? I'm like, I don't know. And they're like, That's the rock. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> like, oh, I'm not getting who, like, the only one I knew was China. Yeah. Because every at that time China was the bigger one. Oh, she oh, yeah, was. She was, she was huge everything. Yeah. Oh, she was. Yeah. So she comes bopping in in nothing. Uh, she had jeans on, sneakers, and a little pink cardigan. Her hair in a ponytail. She just had her jaw wired shut. Something had happened. I think she had the bone shaved down, so she couldn't really talk. She comes bopping in, and there she's like, "What's up?" You know, she jaw wired shut. She goes in. Next thing, she comes out. And the chick looks like a dominatrix out of hell. <laughs> Black vinyl. She's in stiletto boots. And she looks at me. Which one am I picking up? And they're like, her. And I'm just staring. I'm like, what? And I, sh- I get on the desk. And they're like, lay down. And she just, by one leg, picks me up. Like, okay, hon. And I'm like, yeah. 
um, yeah, yeah. I said, does this hurt? I'm like, uh, well, it's not really comfortable. <laughs> but, uh, no. So I hold her like, you know, very sweet to me, like totally cool. And then they're like, yeah, maybe we'll do something different. Then they sent me upstairs. Um, mankind was, uh, was up against the wall in a straight jacket. And then they wanted me to dive off the balcony, and I had never done falls. So they were trying to, like, line up the boxes. <laughs> and he was just like, yeah, no. And he's like, he goes, the rock wouldn't like this. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, who's the rock? Oh, he's like, oh, yeah, the dad in the Speedo. <laughs> like, yeah, no, he told me not to do anything I'm not comfortable with. And he's like, yeah, you don't want to do that. He's like, don't, you don't want to do that fall. So they made somebody else do it. And then I wound up running through garbage cans that were on fire. And I was like, yeah, I'm good with that. I did that stunt instead. And that was like the extent of it. And, you know, it was a great commercial. I think you can only see my ponytails. I run for like a split second. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was great. Now, had I known what it was going to be, I would have taken like tons of pictures. I think Vincent was the only one without pictures because it's Vincent. And of course he took pictures. I didn't know to take anything because once again, I, I wasn't a wrestling fan. So I didn't, I just knew China. That was the only one I knew. Everybody else, I'm like, The Undertaker wouldn't take us, and Kane wouldn't talk to us because they were in character. So, yeah, you couldn't even speak to them. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't look at them, nothing. Uh, mankind was super nice, would tell us, like, Here's all my scars from where I razor blade myself so I bleed down my face. Oh. You know, he was telling every secret, it didn't matter. He said Rock was super cool, but nobody knew it was, he was going to turn into what he turned into. Nobody <laughs> knew I was talking to Black Adam. Like, right, yeah. <laughs> He's going to be Black Adam. I would have been like, okay, new plan. You know? <laughs> totally different. Uh, you know, I would have been like, you're going to be a DC superhero. You and I need to talk. You know, different. But I, like I said, he was a dude in a Speedo wearing like a black shirt open. You know, it was a gauzy shirt. So he looked like he should have been on a romance novel. Yeah. With yep. a, an Elvis curl. Yeah. Who would have thought? That was going to be the ball or the rock. Right. The international <laughs> superstar for, from the guy who yeah. wore mesh t-shirts. Yeah. He wasn't cut the way we see him now. No. Nope. You know, he was a big, little bit of a gut hanging over the Speedo, and you're staring at him going, this is who? <laughs> Why am I a super nice guy, but you're just looking going, I don't get this wrestling thing. Like, <laughs> am I, I, why am I? And I'm looking at Vincent like, what is the big deal? And Vincent's just going, it's a paycheck. It's a, I was more excited because one of the stunt guys was married to Sophia Crawford, who was Sarah Michelle Geller's stunt double on Buffy. That's <laughs> oh, that's was. cool too. Oh, yeah. The Sophia Crawford's husband, and oh my God, Angel Buffy. I'm, you know, geeking out over David Boreanaz. <laughs> I'm having that martial art moment. I'm not looking at the rock going, holy cow! I could have cared less. <laughs> I'm like, you idiot, you needed a picture. Then. I had no clue. Like I said, I was just like, wow, he can make his eyebrow go really high. <laughs> you know, if I saw him now, he would probably look at me and be like, you're who? Right. Like, I was really going to throw through the glass on that WWF commercial where the guy broke his back. Maybe he would go, oh, the, the commercial with the back breaking. You were there? Yeah. <laughs> right. That. If I'm lucky, <laughs> I would get like, yeah, I vaguely remember somebody getting hurt there. Really? You okay? No, I don't remember. You know that, that's where I get if I'm lucky. I get that. Awesome. But that was that was it. But he was super nice guy. 
can't complain at all. He did not want anybody smelling me, and he let the whole set know not to touch me. So awesome. that, class act. Oh, he's so nice. See, I'm a wrestling fan, so I'm geeking out right now. <laughs> you would have thought, like, I feel bad because it was wasted on, on me. <laughs> I've had people who have, like, met Cavill, and they're just like, yeah, you seem cool. I'm like, you, you, you touch Superman? And, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and they're just looking at me, and I'm like, you, I'm like, Superman. Like, you were, you're super, and they're just staring at me like, uh, yeah, I get, yeah, all right. And I'm like, no. <laughs> we could, like, do some DNA shit. You know, like, this is his major. And they're just like, I don't, um, I brushed up against him. I'm like, is there sweat? What? <laughs> so, you know, it's, everybody's got their own. But, yeah. you know, like, like when Cavill got replaced, my husband thought the world was about to end. <laughs> screaming. And he's looking at me, he's like, what? I'm like, they kicked him out of Superman. He's like, I, who kicked out of who was Superman? I'm like, I don't understand. This is a travesty. I'm revolting. He's like, okay, the world's not going to end. I'm like, yes, it is. <laughs> Calm down. So, you know, to each, to each their own. I The same thing when the Deadpool Wolverine pictures just came out. Oh, yeah, right. I was freaking oh, out about that one. It's so exciting. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, he's in the yellow suit. And he's like, who's in the yellow suit? Yeah, I'm yeah. Like, who would have thought an entire like nation could get so excited about a yellow leather suit? Oh, I kept scrolling like there's got to be no picture. <laughs> like, so, you understand it's eleven thirty at night, right? I'm like, you don't understand. There's got to be more. He's like, I'm like, no, no, no. There's got to be more. He's got to have the shoulder pads. Maybe there's one with no arms. I was like, you know, because he doesn't wear sleeves. That's really an astonishing accent. He's like, what? And he's looking at me. He's like, he doesn't have sleep. No, he doesn't have sleep. Technically, an astonishing accent. Unless you want to go back. And he's like, stop. I don't want. To, I don't. Maybe need to know. He's like, I don't need to know anymore. He's like, we're we're good. <laughs> we're fine. He's like, the movie will come out. You'll be talking through the whole thing, explaining how it's not technically correct. <laughs> and then we'll watch it again, where you're quiet, and I'll actually absorb it. So yeah, we're fine. Ashley has to deal with that with me in war movies. Just sit there and be like, that's not how that works. Not right. They made the announcement about Jennifer Garner coming back as Electra, and same thing. I was like, she's coming back? (laughs) I'm like, Jennifer Garner. He's like, which one is that again? (laughs) Jeez. And I was like, no, she's coming back as Electra, and the size, and he was like, which, which, and I was like, that was a dare from this one. He's like, oh, that's nice. He's like, once again, he's like, you'll talk through the movie and I'll have to go watch it a second time. Like, I'll get to see it. And I'm like, oh. it's a big deal. We never out. thought she'd come back and we never thought he'd wear the yellow suit. It, this is a lot. I mean, the stuff that's coming out about the movie channel, Tating filmed the thing, is Gambit. I'm having, like, a whole thing right now. Right. This movie. So it better live up to all the expectations. At this point, I don't care about Superman Legacy. I'm thinking of boycotting it. So <laughs> all I have is Deadpool right now. So Reynolds, you know, I've already trespassed on his property. He needs to deliver right now. <laughs> he, he really needs to deliver, because the next thing I'm doing is you see, my patient has a lake house, a very small one, so let's not get too excited, right next to Ryan Reynolds' property. 
Awesome. Do I kayak down it and his trespass signs get funnier and funnier as you get closer? <laughs> so the joke is, is that I'm going to leave a cutout of me as Wonder Woman crossing and put Bish Stole My Look and leave it there <laughs> for him to find <laughs> next to one of his Deadpool trespassing things. Awesome. Just to let him know I was there. We're going to be looking so out for that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm like invested now. <laughs> I, I'm considering it because I kayaked all the way down. I brought my puppy with me too because I figured if I got caught, she'd do anything with a cute Yorkie on your lap. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> Nobody. I, I felt like Ryan Reynolds was not going to do anything if I had my little Yorkie with me because he's just too cute. And his name is Carlos, so you just can't get mad at anything named Carlos. Right. So I thought, and I was right there. <laughs> My patient and my husband were both like, okay, you need to turn around now. You're too close. The <laughs> sign says, we'll use deadly force, F off. And I'm like, no, I think I can get closer. <laughs> and they were both like, we are now backing off and you are on your own. And I call us in a little life vest and I'm like, nope, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going and getting closer. And they were like, yeah. And then and they were like, why don't you just leave him a life-size cutout of you as Wonder Woman with the X? And we're just going to leave it on the property. <laughs> this bitch stole my luck. And just, you know, you holding up the, the Deadpool with him. And I'm like, that's what I'm doing now. Maybe awesome. with a copy of the book, too. Yeah. Just in case for your reading pleasure. Yeah. Just in case. <laughs> in case you're looking for a second project there. Right. Right. But yeah. Well. You never know. Th- th- thanks for coming on for us, uh, Danielle. Uh I mean, this is actually our first interview, so I, I, this has been awesome. So thank you. Well, you guys did a great job. It was easy to talk to you. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you. This was so much fun. Yeah. Uh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. If if, if you end up with uh, anything upcoming that you you want us to put out there for you, just let us know, okay? Oh, I would love it when Volume Two comes out. I will let you guys know. Awesome! Oh, absolutely! And I'm going to be stalking you on Instagram to see if you continue stalking Ryan Reynolds. Oh, when I head back up to New York, believe <laughs> me, I will. I'm going to make my patient when he goes back to the lake house. I've told him I need you to leave the books in his mailbox. <laughs> awesome. I may you know, you might see a Deadpool dedication in Volume Two. Nice. Just, just to get Ryan Reynolds, you know, you might see dedication to Ryan Reynolds for no reason at all. <laughs> <laughs> get his attention. Yep. <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do. Yep. If you like strange shenanigans, you can find us on Twitter and Podbean under The Strange Show. Make sure if you sign up for Podbean to use code Strange Shenanigans and get cool stuff out of Podbean. You can also find us under Strange Shenanigans on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Patreon. Keep it weird, folks. <laughs>